This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brendan Nunez. And as usual, I have my co host, it is Rich. How are you doing today, Rich? My man, I am doing pretty good. Pretty good. We're thinking that the layout we want to go with is on Mondays, we're doing Q&A, a little bit more serious, some player breakdown. On Fridays, we're going to have a guest on. And then for the Wednesday episode, middle of the week episode, we're thinking it's going to be a little bit more loose. Maybe some hypotheticals, games, something like that. And what we had today, we were going to name a player and just give the other person give their initial reaction to that player. We originally were thinking one word, so maybe we'll try that, but it's probably going to be a little difficult. So just your initial thought, small phrase, something like that. Yeah, I think that the goal for us, you know, this is, I'm excited. I like games, you know, and this is kind of a game here. And I think that we think of this as free association. So if we can, I want to set up some rules here. You gotta get your response out within five seconds. Yeah, and the fewer the words, the fewer words you use, the better. How does that sound? That sounds good to me. All right. All right. Who should start this off? Um, this is interesting. Do we need to preface this anymore? I guess we'll say, we can say that we obviously this is a Kings podcast, and so these guys are all going to have some sort of association with the Kings, not necessarily Kings players, but guys that, you know, maybe are free agents or guys, you know, someone who at least you could see an association to the Kings franchise, either in the past or the future or the present. And I think that uh, you should start. All right. So I'm going to start with a few Kings, actually. First one for you, Vlade Divac. Visionary. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> We're off to a hot start. I gave you kind of a curveball there. I that was yeah, first pitch I mean that was first pitch <laughs> fastball just right by my just you kind of burned me high and tight. Uh, I don't even know where that response came from. So no, we're gonna have to check the timer if that was five seconds. <laughs> I feel like it was. <laughs> so. But visionary. I mean, happy with the way Vlade is taking things, I guess, right? Uh, my subconscious mind certainly <laughs> is. I guess I mean, so. 
this is the world we're living in. I mean, it, it, does visionary necessarily mean, does that necessarily have a positive connotation? I guess Can it you doesn't. Have, I initially think of it as being positive, but I guess it doesn't. You can have dark visions. This is true. Uh, but no, I think we don't, I don't know if we need to unpack these too much, but I mean, his vision is the King's future, whether it's a, a beautiful world or a grim reality. I, I guess we will find out what's your reaction to my reaction. I honestly, when I thought of Vlade, I was like, wow, I have no idea what my response initially with this to be. I, I mean, I agree, I guess. Like, I think that he's taken this in the right way. He's got a vision, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good start. Okay, all right, so my turn? <laughs> yeah. Frank Mason. Oof. Cut. Oof. On from the team. I like him. Liddy committee, all day, but he's gone. Okay, I can't i mean i don't disagree with you i mean he really he got a lot of play early in the season but i mean it that dried up quickly and yeah. only a second round pick you know no real obligation to keep him around he's he's older for a second year guy he's got that intensity to him that i really like in players but he's just kind of undersized I mean, do you think there's a spot on an NBA roster with, say, 15 minutes a game for him? I think that's probably too high. Yeah. But I thought you were going to say, is there a roster spot out there for him? I think that there is. But contributing? No, I don't think it's a rotation spot. I think it's like an end of bench role. All right. I got one for you. De'Aaron Fox. Leader. Correct answer. <laughs> All right. I'm with it. I'll just jump right in. Uh, Justin Jackson. Inconsistent. It is. I mean, I like the potential there, but it's it doesn't even seem like something where he needs to iron things out. But I mean, they say the difference between good and great players is being consistent. And I don't even know if I'd necessarily call him a good player not to bash on Justin Jackson, but it's, he's just inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. He's kind of the wing version of, I was going to say Willie Colley Stein, but that's, that might be too harsh. Is it like Jeff green? That's interesting where he, every 10th game, he drops 20 <laughs> and the yeah. nine other game, he drops four. Yeah. He's occasionally LeBron. That's actually really good. Yeah. Okay. So next one I got for you. We'll go Harrison Barnes. Solid. Nice. That's a good one. Solid. Yeah. And we're going to get into, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about him in depth on Monday. um, So we can save some of that for then, but. Yeah, I mean, I really do see him kind of as a rock for this team. and That's kind of weird to say for a guy who's only been yeah. on the squad for a few months. But, I mean, he, he feels like more of a veteran than he is in my mind. 
you know, he's just been around. He's he's been deep in the playoffs. He's been on a championship team, uh, and he I just I, he brought so much stability to the lineup, in my opinion, coming in and being that real you could say true small forward or just just a forward that was actually undoubtedly playable. Uh, it, uh, he, he brought a, a, an element to this team that I think is really important and I, that I'm willing to pay for, truly. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with that. Like you said, we'll break him down. Next episode, we're going to go small forwards. That is Barnes, Bogey, and who else we throw in there? Corey Brewer? The way that I have it broken down here is that we put Bogey in the shooting guard category and oh, talk yeah. about him with Buddy. But yeah, Brewer, and then we can get into... Um, I mean, we could get into the sort of two-way guys. We can get into Troy Williams and uh, B.J. Johnson. Got it. Although we don't have, we're not going to have too much on them. Yeah. So that'll be next episode. You wanna, you wanna throw another name at me? Let's see here. I got a pretty long list. I'm gonna, you I'm gonna delve. Some Kings players. Maybe, kind of. I mean, yeah. And again, all these guys will either be available to the Kings in the coming season. That that's my list at least. Yeah, same here. Okay. Oh, this this one's interesting. Garrett Temple. Veteran presence. And that's really what his impact would come down with me. I feel like I mean he's a decent three and D guy, but it would just be a veteran locker room presence for the Kings at least. I, and he at least can see some minutes on the floor. What do you think the odds are that he would be willing to sign with the Kings again? I think that they're decent. I mean, it's a little bit of a different roster. Like, there's some of the same guys, but a lot of it's new. And I don't know. I could see it happening just assuming that he does like playing that mentorship role, which it seems like he does. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance to it? Well, I don't see any reason that he would be against it. I, I, I don't think that there, you know, there's a lot of Kings player, former Kings players that have left on not so great terms. And I'm not sure that temple is in that category. Although there could have been behind the scenes, you know, some stuff where it's like, listen, you know, you're we're, we're sending you out of here because, I mean, you would think that they would handle it as well as possible, but I, I don't know. This is pure speculation, and that's that's irresponsible of me. But um, I, I don't know if there's if there's if he if he at all felt like there wasn't room for him anymore. I can see why feelings could get hurt by that, but I I think so highly of him as a person, as a man, and as a member of the Sacramento community when he was here, and I, I guess he still is part of that community in some ways, that uh, I, I can't imagine there's any pettiness on either side, really. And, well, I guess, do, what do you think about the need, well... Is there a need for a guy like him on this roster? I mean, we just mentioned how the shooting guard position, we've got some options there, and probably the, it's probably the deepest place yeah. on the Kings roster. So a spot for him, 
I don't think there's necessarily meaningful minutes. I think that he could see the floor a bit and his role would be kind of what my initial reaction is, is being that voice in the locker room in a leadership where, you know, maybe we have a backup point guard and then we have Temple and you're running out Bogdanovich as well in a bench unit, something like that. So I don't think that he fits a need on the court necessarily. I think that there could be room that we could see some minutes for him, but it doesn't fill a hole. Yeah, I like that. I I think that they're, you know, I'm not sure he's looking at significant minutes anywhere in the league. He's a he's a yeah. good player and he's got defensive upside, but I mean, I feel like even with that, he's probably topping out around 12, 15 minutes at most anywhere. So I don't know. I could see a scenario where if he wants to be you know, in a place where he can be a mentor, be back in Sacramento. He, I feel like he liked it here. That, that was the impression I got. I know the Kings and the city of Sacramento liked having him. So, you know, and, and Bogdanovich could use some spelling in the regular season, obviously, I feel like uh, with his injury history. So I don't see why we couldn't bring him over, have him play, you know, eight minutes a game, maybe, maybe not play for some stretches, maybe play a lot more for some stretches. Yeah. I, I'd be interested. I would be. And we talked about Kufus uh, in the Costa Kufus in the, the center spotlight episode. Um, and I, you know, we both talked about how we'd love to have him back, but just not in the rotation. And, you know, I mean, if we've got room for Kufus, I feel like we've got room for Temple. Yeah, I agree with that. And so I'm going to throw another one at you that I feel like is kind of similar. It's Jared Dudley. Interesting. That's my response. Yeah. Uh, that's my one. Re- <laughs> <laughs> well, because so, so Sammy Mick talked about how Jared Dudley had expressed interest in being a Sacramento King not that long ago. Yeah. Just last week. So, and I think I, I haven't figured out the exact time on it. I believe it was right before the Walton news. So I don't know if that changes anything on the excitement level of potential free agents coming to Sacramento, but it certainly seemed like before this whole fiasco happened, that interest was rising and that was a massively big deal to me. Uh, And I think that's, you know, that was my number one goal for this season. This past season was to have interest in being uh, a Sacramento King again uh, in the free agent market. So I don't know. I, I guess I got to give the benefit of the doubt that that's still a desire of his. And it's it's fascinating. It's interesting. Yeah. And do you think that that's because he is a veteran? Or do you feel like guys that are in their prime would feel the same way? You know, I think that it's baby steps at this point. Yeah. I'm not expecting certain, you know, people talk and I think it's mostly jokes or really disillusioned people but people talk about KD KD to the to the Kings and obviously we're not there I think we're pretty far ways away from that I think I got some names on this list that that I can throw out there and we can actually that's not even true a lot of the names on this list aren't even on on uh that prime player level 
uh, starter level, but you know, we're getting there and you, you gotta walk, you know, you gotta crawl before you can walk. I think that's just the way it goes. Great right now. All right. Next name I've got for you. Austin rivers. Coach's son. Um, and that's not exactly what I think of him as a player. It doesn't, do that justice. Um, I actually really like this guy. I knew you were going to throw this in here. I actually had the same name for you. Yep, and I, I know you did because we've talked about this recently and I wanted to get to it before you did because I've got nothing to say about this. I, don't, I You need to get on the defensive and quick. I need to know what's going on with you and Austin Rivers. <laughs> That's fair. I put him on a list of names that weren't even being mentioned and you were pissed it was on the list. <laughs> You so, got destroyed for putting Austin. Like, it wasn't even true. just me. <laughs> is this true? Is this true? So, as I dug into the numbers, you know, the numbers are not great for this guy. And yeah, the absolute terrible. worst thing was that he shot 52% from the free throw line this year. I was going to say what? that to you. Like That I, one blew my mind. It's unimaginable how inefficient this guy is <laughs> at, at basketball. Yeah, so that 52% definitely killed me a little bit. But the positives that I see in this guy are that I think that he is a dog. He's a hustle guy. And I think he does that extremely well. I think that his defense is very underrated. And that was the main aspect that kind of interested me. And I think that he's a halfway decent passer. I don't think that he's bad necessarily. Um I don't think he's good in that aspect either, but I don't feel like he's been given a specific role like that. He's just jumped around so much and maybe, you know, the argument is that that's because of him, but I feel like he hasn't been placed in a good system and that maybe there's a potential as him, a backup point guard to play some defense and just not shoot as often, which I don't think is that difficult. And he doesn't, he only finishes around the rim and takes threes. And you're right, the percentages are not great, but it's mainly that defense for me. And I don't know, it's more of the eye test does more for me, but then I look at the numbers and I'm like, holy crap. Wow. Okay. I mean... I don't even get it with the eye test. I like, I really truly don't get it. Um, I I don't even know where to start with this right now. Honestly, I I mean, listen. Okay, so let's break this down. First thing you said, he's a dog. He he plays with effort and intensity. Sure, you can have that. But the defense thing, I don't know if we can really call him a good defender. I, I mean, I I don't see what you're seeing. I, you know, I, I guess just trying and looking like you're trying counts for something, but he's never had a positive defensive metric that I have been able to find. And I, I did some diving here too, uh, looking for... I Really what I thought was like, wow, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I... <laughs> Like you like this guy so much that I must be missing something and I didn't find anything to to change my mind. I mean, yeah. And, you know, I think part of me liking him is that I know everybody hates him where I'm like, listen, this guy's not terrible. 
You know, like, I don't think that he's amazing, but I just feel like I have to defend him because I don't feel like he's a terrible player like everyone makes him out to be. I think he's pretty bad, dude. I don't know. I, we can, And then the next thing you said was he never found the right role or the right system. I mean, he played uh, starting shooting guard for his dad for a year at least. So, I mean, that's a if you're looking for a system that's going to show you off, uh yeah 34 minutes a night for your dad i feel like is a pretty good system a pretty good place for you to show off whatever you've got uh the defensive numbers are bad i mean 0.7 steals per game career not good I I mean like it's not I, maybe there is you know something to be said for you you know you can make the argument that this guy plays defense and it doesn't show up on the stat sheet because that's a real thing, but it doesn't show up in the advanced stats either. And I have, you know, I will say I haven't watched him closely enough for long enough to be able to say this guy is or is not a worthless defender. But I just don't see how, I mean, if you're a guard and you can't muster 0.8 steals per game, that's not a good sign. He's not making up for it in blocks. His defensive BPM is low. Uh, I'm sure we could look up RPM, uh, and I don't think that would be better. Um, you say that he's he's a good passer, kind of, I think is what you said, or something like that. I was just trying to say he's not a terrible passer. He's not a bad passer. The assists aren't there. I mean, he was, he was essentially traded as a, a salary dump or, you know, yeah. by – the Wizards, who desperately, desperately needed a point guard. Um, and I guess, you know, you and this is another thing you said. And then he was cut by the team he was traded to. So that's that's one. That's These Actually, are real things. You're talking about Phoenix, right? Right. He he Didn't he say that he wasn't going to play for them? Which is oh, not a good well, sign, Well, that's a dog. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> – yeah. So that's not a guy who's playing that hard. I, I Maybe he said that. I missed that if that's the case. But – the impression that I got was that Phoenix, the most point guard starved team in the league behind maybe Washington, Sands, John Wall, both of these teams were like, no, we don't want to get him out of here. Uh, and then, you know, he ended up on the team that is like basically can't buy a backup guard because they had Brandon Knight and Michael Carter Williams. And they're just like anybody, anybody who's not a nightmare, come on this team and get minutes. I think that, you may be influenced by seeing him play next to James Harden, who does make guys look better than they are. Like, no question about that. But I will, I did want to say I don't think this is recency bias because I've always had a weird soft spot for Austin Rivers. Since I lived in Southern California and I had friends that were Clipper fans that absolutely hated him, said he was only there because he was the coach's son, I was like, no, this guy is a contributor. And I think I've just been <laughs> riding with it. Like, I will die on this hill. You are so alone on this island, man. I know. And and you say, like, he only finishes at the basket or takes threes. And, if I mean, that is a pretty accurate assessment. Like, his his shot chart is pretty strong in that regard he i can see why the rockets like him because he's not going to take stupid long twos however you're if that's what you're doing you should be shooting a pretty decent percentage you should be converting a decent amount of those shots uh 
Yeah, he's not. Like, I mean, he's just, he's not doing that. I am going to make a small film clip of Austin Rivers playing defense against the Warriors in this series and prove a point. But I thought you said it wasn't recency bias. It's not recency, but that's what's going on right now. I mean, if you Wait. want to dig up defense from three years ago, I'll do it. Like, Yeah, I want to see a career highlights of Austin Rivers' defense and a career lowlights and just put those next to each other, Let's interlay see. them onto one track. All right. But, but I mean, look at – okay, so his, his the best year he ever had shooting the ball was – Solid, and this was the year he he. Well, this was one of the years he played for Doc. Forty-four point two percent field goal, thirty-seven point one percent from three. Fine, like okay, I I I, I can. Was that the year? Was this twenty sixteen seventeen that you fell in love with Austin Rivers? It was about that time. Yeah. Yeah, and then something happened. I don't know. I mean, he he's only shooting thirty one. Point eight from three this year, and he's got a field goal percentage of about forty. It's not great. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, so I have a would or, would you rather for you? Okay. Would you rather give Austin Rivers three years, twenty five million, or Ricky Rubio four years, forty eight? Ricky Rubio four years, forty eight. And is there anybody that you would have picked Austin Rivers over? Michael Carter Williams. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, there are guys. I mean, uh, but like, I don't know. Corey Joseph, Alfred Payton, any of those guys, like Austin I, Rivers at the bottom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that Alfred Payton actually has some similar problems, but, you know, Plus he's Rivers. still better uh, i i mean he does other things better uh he's definitely a better passer better rebounder you know the any i it's it's really tough to look at a guard who shoots like you said the 52 percent free throw percentage like that is oh, un, unacceptable for me. <laughs> when i found guard. that i was like oh man i kind of regret saying we had to talk about this yeah and the passing i mean like he really was asked to be a point guard for much of his career um, whether that's off the bench and and you even posited him him as a backup point guard option for the kings like if you you know his career assist numbers are so poor like i i mean it's i don't see anything really redeeming about him i don't know it you know no i don't know i i actually put him in a trade scenario in one of the trade pieces i wrote for s town uh sacktown royalty uh I, but it was in order to receive draft pick compensation. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> and like I said, I understand. Just do me a favor. Watch some of these Rockets games and tell me that this guy does not have good defense. It's the defense that gets me. I get Okay. I'll, I'll, I, I wasn't able to catch game two, but I watched game one and basically didn't notice that he existed. So that's <laughs> not a great sign. All right, so uh, you you hinted there at some would you rather. I think we're going to do that later in the show. This is going to be one big game show, but um, it's your turn. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I got an interesting one. Luka Doncic. Ceiling. That's my my one word response is ceiling. I think that's that's not like a free agent, but there was a connection with the Kings, you know. There is, yeah, and it's the the second pick 
connection there. Um, he was on the board when the Kings went a different direction, and the question is his ceiling. And I'll actually say my subconscious came up with a good word there because I believe that was the word Jaeger, Coach Dave Yeager used when talking about Luca and saying that we thought he had a ceiling, and it turns out he doesn't, and that's uh, you know too bad for the Kings. Some you know I'm super paraphrasing there, but that was a quote that turned some heads, and you know since Dave Yeager's firing, it's been noted that he preferred Luka Doncic to Marvin Bagley for that pick. So um, yeah, you know I think ceiling is the touchstone for Luka because I mean he came into this league completely on fire uh to a point where you know i mean we were even getting like you know crazy comparisons like lebron james level comparisons because of some of the the numbers he was putting up and you know it came with a lot of turnovers it came with some modicum of question marks and i think a lot of those question marks are you know and as crazy as it sounds people really genuinely asked is this 19 year old already at his ceiling so yeah for me that's the that's the touchstone there and it's it's how high can this thing go the king's pulse podcast is now available on the app podcoin that is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts our podcast is on there there's plenty of other great content as as well how it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download Podcoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Do you want to move on to a couple would-you-rathers? Yeah, it sounds like you've got some cooked up. I've got a few hypotheticals that I've just come up with on the spot. We're doing a little bit of free association Wednesdays, but yeah, let's, let's just roll into it. Yeah, so I actually only had two fully prepped and ready here, and I already threw one of that Austin Rivers one at you. My other one, guy we just had talked about, DeAndre Jordan, say, and this was a number I saw thrown around, but this is kind of ridiculous to me, four years, $20 million a year, $80 million, say the last year's a player option, or oh God. a Vucevic max, four year, one hundred and forty. Um, you at that point you max Vooch. I mean, four years eighty, that's un that's unacceptable. I mean, that will be dead money by the end of that contract, and it might be dead money by the beginning of that contract. So, 
Part of this was just I saw someone throw that tweet out with that money, which didn't make sense at all to me necessarily. But, you know, if the last year's a player option, not exactly known for always making the best of decisions. The Kings have made some have gone to some dark places in free agency but that would be a new level when i put that clip together of the deandre jordan because i put together looking at one of his actually a season high in rebounding happened to be against sacramento it was a clip of all his 22 rebounds and his terrible terrible rim protection and (laughs) there was a clip i think he still had two blocks in the game but they were just the easiest blocks you'll ever see and right after it happened, one of them, Gray Napier, was just like, that's just what DeAndre Jordan does. So I was like, oh, my God. He already He's knew. always been on the hype train. Yeah. like He already knew. They already told him. We're going for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the man can rebound. I don't know. I, I I heard you mention when we talked about Jordan more in depth that our friend Brian uh, over uh, on the Blue Harbor podcast, he said that kind of their empty boards and like I get to a degree it's it's there the numbers are amplified by him sort of you know I guess rebound hunting is a thing and we saw you know have you seen that one clip of him pushing Luca out of the way to get a board yes (laughs) yes so that's a thing that happens but you don't just artificially get to like 14 15 boards like you just I don't think that's that's too high uh, I think that he just sits in the right spots, but he doesn't like even put bodies on people. It blows my mind that I put together a clip of him getting 22 rebounds and I still felt like he wasn't a great rebounder. Like, I don't yeah, understand. So, yeah, I mean, <sighs> which feels I, wrong, like, because that doesn't make sense. Obviously, he has multiple games of 20 plus. The guy's a good rebounder. He's a good rebounder. It, great, I guess. You know, we can quibble on. I don't, I, I think that he absolutely was a great rebounder at the height of his powers. Um, he's probably a little bit past that now, but I don't know. I saw a lot of physicality in that, in that, in those clips you put together. And really, it's like he's offhand shoving. Like he's, he'll, he'll get into box out position and then he'll just push a dude back. He'll just put a, a, a you know, an open hand in Nemanja Bielitz's chest and just, yeah. push him you know i mean and i think that he might be two rebounds what james harden is to uh shots where like he's playing a little bit with what is a foul or what is legal and you know maybe he's just he's so physically imposing that he can kind of push you and knock you out of position and and do those little things with his body that not everyone can do and so it, it maybe it just feels like he's cheating but he's not really or or you know that line gets hazy where it's like well wait a minute like you can't just shove this dude down like you know he'll put a he'll he'll he knows where the ref you know where his eyes are where he's located and he'll he'll make that little tactical shove if a guy's off balance you know what i mean yeah um but you know he's crafty and like those are skills too is is as deplorable as they may be in some people's eyes um but you know i I, I I saw it in that clip in that clip show in that little that little set of clips. I see why there's interest, and I actually am coming around just a tiny bit to thinking that 
he's, you know, this, okay, I'm rambling now, I'm getting <laughs> off track, but I kind of see him as like a six. And I know that's not a thing, but if the new NBA, NBA 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever, where your five really was a four and everybody's moving up, everybody is getting more versatile. You got to shoot if you're a four, you have to, and then you want to shoot if you're a five too. He's like a six. And so you can play him as a center in big ball, tall ball lineups. And then the majority of the time you get him out of there, you let Bagley play the five, you let Giles play the five, you play your small ball or what's rapidly becoming standard ball for this era. And then when you want to get big and you want to get mean and when you want to get boards and blocks, put him in, you just slide everybody down. He goes from a six to a five, comes off the bench, plays that big center. Am I crazy here? No, not really. I mean, I I don't think the rim protection is there at all. That was really clear. But there's rebounding potential. I mean, not potential. He's a decent rebounder. And I get what you're saying. And I really like his personality. Like, I think as a person, the entire fan base would love him. That everywhere he's gone, maybe minus Dallas, uh, has been a fan of him. I kind of wanted to read off what Brian had told me about him. So Brian said, honestly, my Clipper contacts had mentioned buyer, buyer beware. I heard all summer that DeAndre Jordan will rebound and dunk, but he's lazy on getting back in transition and blocking out people. To me, he's shown that rebounding is an empty stat. You'll get your numbers, but you're not willing to put in the dirty work. And if there's a switch that he has to guard someone who's got speed, game over. DeAndre Jordan is not developed and grown like the NBA the past few years. You take a player like Brooke Lopez, he's developing a three-pointer where Jordan can't make a basket outside of two feet. If you convince him to come off the bench, I think he could be useful, but I think he still thinks he's a starter. So maybe that role that, like you're saying, you know, of sure, you're in the starting lineup, but you're there for when we're playing opposing bigs. And that's kind of what I was going to do next. I was going to break down a game against someone like Detroit, where he's actually playing against another rebounder, because half the time, Cauley Stein's just sitting there watching him jump and grab these boards. That's fantastic uh, insight there from Brian. Go listen to the Blue Hardwood podcast if you want some Mavs info. Uh, he's your guy. I I loved what he had to say there, and I will defer to him on that. I, I don't uh, doubt at all about the effort getting back on defense. Um, you know, hustling up the court. Even you know that there's no question that he's got. You know, and that's what I that's my main concern is that he's kind of like Willie, like an XL Willie, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and you're right about the rim protection in that, in those set of clips, it's lazy and it's, it's near non-existent, but he's just so big that like when he does put his hand up, he, he just, he gets a, he gets contact with the ball. Did you catch the one where Fox was practically running in circles under the rim, just around Jordan and Jordan didn't do anything. He just let him like, toss it up yeah and i think on one of his blocks he fox got the got the ball back and then just went up and dunked it like just off two feet just like fox absolutely owned him that game there was one play where i didn't put the rest of the clip but fox got a rebound over jordan like he just out jumped him yeah and he actually got that and then just ran coast to coast and did some crazy finish on the other side but like if, to me, there's no circumstance where De- uh, De'Aaron Fox should get a rebound over De'Andre Jordan. 
All right, so here's a would you rather. Would you rather have Willie Cauley-Stein return at one year, $10 million, or give a flyer to DeAndre Jordan at one year, $10 million? I kind of think that I'd rather have Cauley-Stein because he can run the floor with us that like he does that exceptionally well, but you know, coming at him saying that say nobody really wanted to sign him that, Hey, we need you to put your hands above your head because I'd rather give someone where I, I feel like Holly Stein still has that potential and it's kind of high hopes, but I, I think that it still could happen. And then Offensively, I mean, DeAndre's not going to really give us anything, really. I guess, actually, I'll take that back because I think he's a good screen setter. And I think that he rolls hard. But I kind of would consider Collie Stein back for a year there. I would. This is where I'm coming around. And it's not. Let me be clear about this. It's not like I am suddenly excited for DeAndre Jordan because I still do not want him on the Kings. But. I am. I this is to the extent that I come, I'm coming around to him on is that I think I'd prefer him over Willie at the same price, and it's because yes, his he his his defense around the post has gotten really poor and lazy. However, it's there. Like it's a thing that he can do. I mean, he still had a block, you know, over a block a game uh, this year, which Willie didn't even come close to. And DeAndre Jordan is a guy who's who put up consistently multiple blocks a game. So, you know, yeah. it's it's there. He can do it. And then also something to point out here is the efficiency. DeAndre Jordan is not going to take some dumb mid-range shot. And he led the league for five years straight in field goal percentage. And that is, you know, just a function of him you know, deciding he's only going to dunk and only going to finish within a foot of the basket. But if you get a guy who just only does that and strictly does that, and I mean, he hit 71% of his field goals in a year, 71.4. So it's, you know, if he just catches lobs and again, it's not going to be as good as it was because he is getting older, but you know, I can see a scenario where he does still provide something on offense, something on defense. He's a big body. I don't know. He can board. Uh, it's it's just the effort will drive me crazy. Uh, I'd much prefer to have neither, but I don't know. I'm, I'm coming around from like 0% to like 5%. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we'll throw one more, e- one more each in here. We're running yeah. a little bit long. I've got one more we could do and then yeah, roll out. Okay. So I don't have exact numbers for these ones, but you're throwing a whole lot of money, 20 million plus at two years of Marcus soul or Tobias Harris. I'm sorry. So give me the contracts again. So let's say two years, um, I mean, what do you think a Marcus Sobel contract would look like? Uh, so he's got a player option, right? Yes. And I believe it's about $20 million? It's at 22 Okay. 
but he's so, just finishing his 11th year. Like, I could, it's yeah. not a max, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, he is far too old to get, like, a real max. He's 34 already. Uh, I mean, I think he would take, by the way, just shouts out, uh, he's got a nickname on basketballreference.com that is the Big Burrito. Nice. Respect. <laughs> Uh, is that a Spain thing? Because there's like be. a bunch is like, it's a like big Spain, yeah. La Tanqueta, but they don't make burritos in Spain. That's a Mexican thing, right? I couldn't tell you. Spain does tapas. Anyway, big tapas, Marcus. <laughs> I think that he could go. He, I think that he could, you know, depending on how it ends up in Toronto in their playoff run, I think he could decline that for years looking for years if he can replicate this contract at two or three years, you know, if he can get, say, yeah, 240 or 350, 55. Okay. So, uh, for yeah. that one, I'll call it three years, 60 million. The last year's a player, a uh, team option. Okay. I mean, that's beautiful if you can get it the team option yeah. there that's a really tasty contract from my perspective because mark is a great fit for this team he is that brooke lopez type of fit that we have been salivating over um, you know we talk about rim protection rebounding and three-point shooting as the three things that we want uh this might be the only guy that I, you know, I guess his rebounding hasn't been fantastic recently. I guess he's never been a fantastic rebounder. But this might be one of the only guys that does all three. Uh, Lopez has a similar, you know, I guess that, you know, playing further out affects their rebounding. But this is one of the few guys that checks at least two of those boxes, right? Yeah. So that, or you go in four years and it's $25 million a piece. So four years, $100 million for Tobias Harris. Man. All right. Let me break this down a little bit. Um, so Gasol, there's a, there's a, a writer for Sacktown Royalty, Omar Khan, who is uh, one of the guys on the staff, one of several guys on the staff that I legitimately think, okay, this guy is just smarter than me. Uh, he knows more about basketball than me. And when he says something, I just listen and shut up and all that. Um, and he talked about Gasol being a fantastic fit because he can play uh, he can play the four on offense and the five on defense. And then that's what you want the that's the inverse of what you want Bagley to play or what I want Bagley to play and him as well. So you have Bagley playing the five, you know, under the basket, near the basket on offense, and he doesn't have to be the uh the backbone of the defense he can range a little bit he can use his mobility he doesn't need to be the big strong body that has to go up against gobert right so that's a perfect fit for me you just kind of swap their roles offense defense that's a fantastic pairing i think two years is perfect for mark i don't think i want him on that third year I would, I would, you know, I think even the second year, it becomes a question like, can this guy handle, you know, how many minutes can he really, what's his, what kind of workload can he deal with? So I'm very, very, very into that. However, 
Toby Harris, I'm very into as well. Fits the timeline a little better. He fits the timeline better. I love the four years. I love Barnes at the three, Harris at the four, Bagley at the five. Yeah, give me that. Give me that. Okay. Yeah, I can't hate on either decision, really. I mean, like you broke down, they both work pretty well. But Tobias seems like him running in transition specifically like that's one thing that Mark Soul doesn't have but then the other side of his Gasol has that defense so it's kind of picking between that for me and yeah I guess I would probably have to go the same way with Tobias just because it'd be longer and he fits the timeline a little better because I think just specifically next year I think Mark Soul would make us better but you know you don't build this team just for next year that's not when you're winning a championship so i would probably go the same with tobias there and actually his so his cap hold is 22 million i mean i think 25 million over four years is realistic i think someone's offering him the max okay yeah and i think it could very well be philly yeah i think there's a good chance with that too yeah, there's some concern there, you know, what they had to give up to get him. I think they they have some fear of losing out on, on that and just coming up with nothing and, and getting nothing in return for Shemet and a first-rounder. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, the, you know, he averaged 20 points a game. So I, at the age that he is, the, the position scarcity that there is for that that combo forward type of guy, I think he's getting max offers, not necessarily – you know, he could take less to stay in Philly, but um, I think the Kings uh, are not going to get his attention with a four-year four $100 million offer. All right, so you got one final one for us? Yeah, uh, and this one's kind of conceptual, so take it how you will, but would you rather this offseason sign only players that are over 30 or only players that are under 25 well can you give me a few names of guys that are under 25 because i know some over 30s you know okay so you know i guess you're looking basically at the the restricted free agent market and then you know uh your 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 guys that are coming off of you know two-way options or second round picks or you know, then this could be, let's say, let's put it this way, all acquisitions. So you could, you know, that includes draft picks. Yeah. You could trade for more draft picks. Um, I think there's guys out there that are younger than, let's see here. So, I mean, there's, I don't so, even really want to throw these names out there. because they're ages here, 25 and under. I mean, Nerlens Noel's in there. Okay. Alfred Payton. Okay. Um, Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell. I have him on my list. For, uh, I think for kind of Korkmaz. I think he may have just turned 25. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Bender. I mean, some of these are... Randall? Sure. Yeah, I think I'm going 30, though. Because that's Deadman slash Lopez. Um, how old is Beverly? He's over 30. Yeah. I, I Because I think that's kind of my ideal, is that the role players that I like are all 30 plus of a, I, I'm still sticking with, I I think that a realistic goal is Deadman 
someone like Danny Green, something like that, which I don't know if he himself is going to leave Toronto or anything. And then a maybe Patrick Beverly, but all those guys are older. Like the, the younger guys we mentioned don't interest me that that much. I mean, the way that I would go after young guys is if I thought they had a whole lot of potential. And to me, none of these really do that for me. I guess there's, you know, a couple more Patrick McCaws in there. Um, are you interested in throwing money at Stanley Johnson? Uh, Thomas Bryant is super interesting. Zubak, but these guys are all restricted. Yeah, the restricted is where you'd find yeah. some of the better players. Uh, I think even, you know, there's... Jabari Parker, like... there. It's kind of like second draft guys, and it, it's kind of, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know... Um, you 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 brought up a great point by bringing this into reality with these actual players that are available. But my kind of, I guess uh, the way I should have really put it is, do you know? Do you want to add more youth, or do you want to add? Are you do you feel like we're in a position where we're ready to add vets and and try to compete with the core that we've got? Okay, then probably vets. Yeah, if you could only if you could only do one. Yeah. yeah, because I feel like, you know, perfectly would be one young guy and then the rest vets. But if right. I'm picking fully one way or the other, I would go vets right now because I feel like, like we talked about that Fox, Bagley, Buddy, I mean, Bogey, Giles, all those guys are enough that I just want those guys to be the team right now and focus on them progressing. Well, you know who else is 26 and could fit right in with Buddy and Bogey and Barnes is our 26 squad? Who? Austin Rivers. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm for it. You know, when I was like, you know, Patrick Beverly, I was so close to being like, or Austin Rivers. <laughs> well, this is going to be when Austin well, Rivers is in purple next year. I built those odds. I built those restraints because in either scenario, we cannot sign Austin Rivers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. This was fun. Uh, this was good. I, this, you know, this might be a little bit. We'll see how the responses to this. Um, but yeah, let's let's you know we'll build on this in Wednesday's forthcoming, and maybe we can. This would be a great time to really clear out any Q and A's um, that 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 stack up over the weeks. I like this. Yeah, sounds good to me. Maybe we gotta dub it some sort of name. I'm gonna look up things that start with Wednesday. I have a wacky Wednesday, but to me that doesn't sound cool enough. It does. It sounds wacky. No, what, yeah, it sounds like a Blues Clues like segment. What if Wednesdays? Uh, Wild Wednesdays. Yeah, I, I gotta pull out a dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that is gonna do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter at Kings underscore Pulse. You can find the podcast on all major podcast platforms. And we're curious what you thought of this episode. A little bit loose, kind of like we talked about, but would love to hear your guys' feedback. And thank you for listening, everyone. I got it. Winter Park Wednesdays after Austin, Austin, after Austin Rivers High School. Just shouts out. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. You know, we might actually stick with that, to be honest. I'm good with it. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. 
And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.